Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey, Rebecca, do you have a quarter? Uh, yeah, somewhere, maybe. <laughs> you know what? Did you know that for a dollar a month, which I'm not great at math, but that's a quarter an episode, people can submit us on Patreon if you like what we do here at Woven. So for the cost of your Aldi cart, which you get back, so that's a bad example, but for the cost <laughs> of renting an Aldi cart, you can support us in the work we do here on Woven. So if we have enriched your life, particularly during this COVID pandemic, we've tried really hard to create um, podcasts that are relatable and helpful and help us all grow and learn and, you know, become the best versions of ourselves. If you feel like that has helped you, we would love to ask you to consider donating to Patreon. Yeah. And you can find it more information about Patreon at www.patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash woven in him. And you can find out how to support the podcast in all sorts of ways um, through that website. And we know why buy the cow when you get milk for free. Well, there's some special milk y'all don't even know about. It's our bonus episodes. So we get to be a little a little spicy. I get to use my potty mouth, which has been which I've been working on my entire life and I'm very glad to have a platform to use it. Um, and <laughs> it's just a place where we can talk um, a little bit more off the cuff. Um, yes. on our monthly episodes. So if that sounds good to you and if you have an extra dollar a month, think about supporting us. We'd appreciate it. And the links for that are in the show notes. And now on to the show. Hey guys, welcome to Woven. Today, we have a really special episode with a guest who's very special to me, Rebecca Cochran. We're doing an episode on rest with the woman who has kind of become my patron saint of rest, um, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She wrote the book, Sacred Rest. And Sandra, you can tell us more about well, actually, Sandra, would you just introduce yourself, please, before I try to introduce you and do not a great job at it? <laughs> sure, no problem. Um, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been in practice for about 20 years. I live in near Birmingham, Alabama. I have two teen boys married to the love of my life for 20 years as well. And just really, you know, got to a point in my life where I felt like rest was probably the hardest thing that I did. I'm a workaholic. I say that without, you know, shame. That is just how mm-hmm. God put me together. I'm a workaholic. I'm the kind of person who give me a checklist and let me go at it and got to a point where that really just burned me out and put me on a mm-hmm. journey to having to learn how to get my life back on track. I spent all those years working for a career and was in the middle of it and hating every moment because I was mm-hmm. so exhausted. Yeah. And you had, how old were your kids at that time? They were toddlers. My boys are 21 months apart. So one was uh, right around two and the other one was a a baby. Yeah. And so you kind of looked around and you saw that you had built this beautiful life and you were just not, you just didn't, you were kind of like feeling what, like apathetic, a little like just, you realized something was off. Yeah. I felt like, who wants this? You know, (laughs) it's like, this is what I've been working for. This is what I've been praying for. I don't think so. This can't be. But it definitely wasn't what I was, had hoped. And right. it, I knew it couldn't be the best my life could be. Yeah. And I think a lot of moms can relate to that. I mean, women, people in general, right? But 
I think a lot of times, a lot of my friends and I all talk about that. Like, we're kind of like, we've gotten all the things, you know, that we've wanted and like, why aren't we happier? And I think a lot of it does come down to rest. So I want to talk a little bit about why we're bad at it, but also like, it's not really as simple of a process as we think. No. (laughs) Tell us a little more, or we can kind of go into a little bit about, I think when most people think of rest or what I thought of before I read your book, I thought of sleeping. And I was like, well, I'm sleeping a lot. I'm still feeling (laughs) completely burned out. So what's wrong? Yeah. Like the difference between sleep and rest. I think that's where most people really run into a problem because we use those two words as if they mean the same thing. Right. And then like you, I did the same thing. So the second I figured out that I was burned out, I said, oh, I just need more sleep. I mean, that's what the textbook Mm -hmm. I need eight to nine hours or nine to 10, depending on what textbook. And so I tried that. And woke up just as exhausted after those nine hours of sleep. And so that's when it really started to hit me that this isn't as simple of, of a process as we make it out to be. We've kind yeah. of, dumbed, you know, we've dumbed rest down. We've dumbed it down to the point where lounging on the sofa watching Netflix is called rest or, you know, just cessation of activity. If I just stop or quit my job or go on vacation, that must be rest. And because we've tried to simplify it so much, we've made it not effective anymore. Yeah, it's about restoration. It's about Mm -hmm. pouring back into the places where we pour out. And when we stop doing that, we we really omit what we need when we say we need rest. Yeah. So what are the um, what are the seven? Can you briefly kind of go over the seven types of rest that you've outlined? Yeah. So in the book, Sacred Rest, that's kind of what I try to kind of put the framework around is really understanding those seven types of rest. And so the seven are the physical, mental and spiritual sensory, social, emotional, and creative. And, you know, when you're just talking about sleep, which is what most of us think of when we talk about rest, you're just talking about the physical. You're, mm-hmm. you're not even, you know, really pouring into any of those other six types of rest. And I think that's why so many people feel exhausted all the time. They're always feeling fatigued. They feel that lack of energy because the place where they're depleted is not just physically, mm. but it's in one of those other areas. Yeah, I um, thought it was interesting in the book where you talked about how the br- um, the bridge um, between good sleep and bad sleep is rest. So, um, and mm-hmm. I kind of I started to think back. Um, I don't usually struggle with I don't struggle with insomnia or anything like that, but I do I do struggle with being a workaholic. <laughs> I, do, I resonate with that. I have a to do list for my to do list. It's fine, um, but um, <laughs> but I know for me that sometimes um, when I'm the most rested when I'm awake, that's the best sleep that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you talk a little bit more before we dig into the different types of rest, like? how um, the difference between good and bad sleep and how rest affects good sleep. Yeah, well, the thing about good and bad sleep, sleep really has multiple layers to it. So most of us are familiar with the REM and the non-REM parts of it. Mm -hmm. But even in the non-REM, we have stages. So we have stage one through stage four. And, you know, I, I, the best way I can relate it to is what, what I call mommy sleep. You know, stage one is when we are <laughs> just barely sleeping. You know, the, yeah. the baby barely rolls over and you're like out of bed. Mm-hmm. That's stage one. I mean, you're technically yeah. sleeping, but you're not deep enough to even get any benefit. Stage yeah. two is the baby has to cry on the monitor. Like they rolled over, you're still asleep. Then you hear the cry and then you jump out. Stage three the, is what we call deep sleep. So that is the stage where we actually can start getting restoration and healing and, you know, all those good things that we equate with sleep 
Well, that's when the baby's like been crying on the monitor for like five minutes and your husband says, okay, get, get out the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go, go feed. <laughs> and stage four is where is that stage sleep that most adults really never get to. If you've ever mm-hmm. had a child, or doesn't get there often, I should say. If you've ever had a child that fell asleep in the car and you pick them up and they're like floppy, they're, they're like, they're completely sound asleep. So you have no recollection of you moving them from the car to the bed. That's stage four. Well, the good news is you don't have to get there as an adult to have high quality sleep. You need to get to stage three. But the problem is most of us live in that mommy sleep. We live in that stage one and stage two, very mild levels of sleep because we don't turn our bodies down before we get into the bed. So it's almost like we treat our bodies like it's a, uh, a light switch. We can just go from our social media feed, flick the light switch, and then go into stage three sleep. And it doesn't right. do that. That's yep. what rest does. It helps our body get into a place where we are not so wired up that when we lay down to go to bed at night, we're trying to force ourselves into stage three. We're able to easily move past stage one and past two because we're already well rested. Yeah. What do you think it is that causes us to resist that slowing down so much? I think it's I a mean, lot to do with the culture. You know, yeah. we, we have a, you know, a lot of people say we, we kind of put a badge on busy. You know, I'm, I'm busy. Look at all the stuff I do. Look at all the things, you know, going on in my yeah. life. And yep. we kind of equate our worth with our level of activity, how busy we are. I, I must be more important because my schedule is packed than you who's sitting, you know, lounging and enjoying life. And, yep. you know, that's the thing. Our six, we look at success in a way that is very unhealthy mentally <laughs> as well as physically. And what, it, what happens is what we call success doesn't feel successful. Once mm-hmm. we get there, because to me, success means that you're able to enjoy your life. That is a successful career. When you enjoy yeah. the work you do, you enjoy the effort that you put in. You don't show up and you're like, oh, here we go again. It's another day at work. You know, that yeah. is not successful. So I think it's really uh, the big thing is we, we have equated success with something that it's not. Yeah, yeah. we've definitely equated success with. Um, ranking or merit or money instead of freedom. And yes, my husband yes. and I have actually been talking about this a lot as we, you know, we're in our forties now and our kids are older and we've been married almost 20 years. Um, like what is like, what, what does success really look like? And we've really come to the point where like freedom um, mm. is more what success looks like than all of these, like, which is very hard for me. If you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I like success a lot. Am I? <laughs> but, um, I am yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I think that, I think reframing, I think that's a good place to start, at least for people like us. I mean, other people who, who de- success isn't as important to them. Maybe we all need rest, but maybe they need a different starting point. But for me, a starting point is re- redefining what success is. So that's really good. Yeah, yeah that's, that is the first place I think I had to start as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, okay, the different types of rest. Do we want to go into those, Rebecca? Yeah. So can you, um, Sandra, you, we, you listed the different types of rest, but can you like briefly go through each one? We talked about physical rest. Is there more to physical rest than just sleep? And then I guess go through the other ones as well. Yeah. So, well, physical rest does have two components as well. It has sleep, which is the, well, it's, it's divided up into active and passive. So you have yep. passive physical mm. rest, which is sleeping and napping. And then you have active physical rest, which are the things that help relax your muscles, restore your circulation, improve your lymphatics. 
So we're talking about things like massage or stretching, leisure walks, you know, not where you're trying to get your Fitbit steps to click off, but where you're just trying to kind of enjoy moving your body. And so that's a type of rest as well, because it keeps your body from being tight and tense. And, you know, for me, that was where I, that was the area that I started having the the most pain because I hurt all the time from holding all the stress in my neck and shoulder and back. Yeah. Yeah. And then definitely, definitely stretching. um, Like it was a new concept to me to like do yoga stretching. And I'm not talking about like hardcore yoga, but like just the stretching, like the slow stretching, the slow flow Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, adding that into my routine because that doesn't seem like an efficient way to exercise. (laughs) And so, but like that's, I not viewing that as exercise, but viewing that more as like a restful um, activity Mm -hmm. um, and a, and a way to release stress, I think is a, is really great. That's a good point. And I think that's well, is what you said, a restful activity and for, um, to try to always think about is restful activity should be restorative. So yes, they're not, you know, it's not building muscle. It's not burning fat necessarily, but it's yeah. restoring you. It's restoring yeah. your body back to a healthy place. Well, and, and it's a good, oh, sorry. I was no. going to say, it's a good distinction to remember that like rest doesn't mean you're comatose. You know, I think a lot <laughs> yeah. of times I'm just like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. I'm resting. But a lot of times rest is just working yeah. in different ways. Like, mm-hmm. so I like that distinction. Yeah. And, and I, I, I believe, you know, there is a time for cessation of activity and just not doing anything. But for most of us, that by itself just isn't rest. Yeah. yeah. It's just taking a break. <laughs> it's not necessarily restful or restorative in any way. Yeah. Yep. Okay. What's um, after physical? Yeah. So, well, that's physical. And then the next would be mental. So mental rest is the basically quieting your cerebral space. Um, most people know if they have a problem with mental rest because they can't get their brain to shut up. They lay down at night to go to sleep and they're clicking off their tomorrow's to-do list or they're thinking about a conversation they had earlier in the day or ruminating over a negative thought that they can't break. Um, there's so many ways that the mental unrest kind of presents itself, but it basically boils down to your head doesn't get to that quiet spot. And for many people, a very simple way of accomplishing that is what we call brain dumping. So if that's, some, if that's something you struggle with at nighttime, you lay in the bed and then all these thoughts kind of pop up to just keep a journal or a notepad or a post-it note even, just something that you can jot down whatever those thoughts are. Because if the way the brain works, if when you write it down, it almost is like giving it permission to release it. Because mm-hmm. now it doesn't have to be responsible for holding on to that piece of information. Yeah. Yep. That's good. I'm a big fan oh. of brain dumping. Um, <laughs> I thought one thing that I liked about emo- what you talked about, about emotional um, unrest um, in the book was how um, another way to, besides the brain going a hundred miles, oh, we're not, we're just, we're on mental still. I just went to emotional because I'm ready to talk about emotional. Yeah, Let's talk about emotional. Let's talk about emotional. And then I have something. Wait. To- Wait, my three friend is ready to talk about emotions? I'm here for it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, emotional rest is the rest we get when we allow ourselves to be just very open and truthful and authentic and to not feel like we have to kind of hide those um, feelings behind our mask. Um, You know, it has a lot with that sense of people pleasing that a lot of people deal with, trying to make sure that they are um, always say um, they always have their makeup on their soul. So that is presentable in such a way that other people can tolerate it. But there has to be those people in your life that you can just kind of pour yourself out to without having to worry about if they can take it. 
Um, yeah. But you know that they love you and accept you as you are, even when you're dealing with stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was. I get. I guess why I jumped to that is because I know um, when I go through all the different types of unrest and and not just from your book, but just like the past couple of years of my life, just mm-hmm. learning about this is th- that emotional unrest leads to fear, shame, and a desire to hide. And mm-hmm. like that, I was like, oh, like I knew that that's what I did because this is an area I struggle with, but I didn't realize that that was a form of unrest and that that was mm-hmm. causing me to not that constant um, desire to hide things that are bad and to present things that are good, that constant um, movement of that motion of the hamster wheel of that was mm-hmm. causing me to not feel rest. Like I would have never, I knew I did that, but, and I knew I felt unrest, but I never like put it together that that was causing me to feel a lack of um, rest, uh, if yeah. you will. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a, has a bit, and this is something I struggle with it as well. So I'll speak for myself, not necessarily speaking for your situation, but for me, it causes a, um, a bit of performance. It's like, yes. I'm always having to full perform. And that's yep. the thing with emotional unrest. You always feel like you are kind of on the stage of life and yep. you can't take, you can't take your mask off. And yep. there's, there is a constant strain that goes with that. So there, there's a, a lot of just, Kind of a, it's almost like taking a big sigh when you're able to be around people where you can just be real and not feel like you have to keep all of those, those walls and all the pretense and all of that up. Yeah. And until I found those people, well, first until I recognized that as a problem and then found those people, I found myself um, withdrawing um, to, to make up for it because I was so, I didn't realize it was causing me so much stress to be so performative. But once I, I realized it, I realized I was that was why I turned to things like Netflix and stuff like that was because I had to rest and I didn't have those. And I didn't, couldn't, I didn't know any of those people that I was willing to be open with. So instead I just like withdrew. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's how I thought I could like make rest, but that wasn't yeah. obviously how I. That's a great point. Escape yeah. is what we call that. Escape is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot of people do it as their form of rest. Yeah. Yep. And I just want to uh, point out that is not an Enneagram three thing. I do that all the time. It's like the too much, not enough, you know, where you're like, Oh, I'm being too much. I'm being too, whatever it is. So I need to like get it together. I can't be so sensitive. It's like just, but yeah, it's amazing how just a small release of that, like, cause I feel like when it, it doesn't mean that you have to like cry on the phone to your best friend for three hours. It can just be a quick, like moment of authenticity that'll kind of recalibrate you. I always think yes. of like recalibrating. It's like, so it's, it's really not as overwhelming as it can feel when we're talking about like, yeah, I have this mask on. I got to take the mask off. I got to take the makeup off. It's like, oh God, like, is that going to like take a month? It's like, it really does it. It's, and I think that's what's just like, as a side note, that's what I love about these steps. Cause I think it can be overwhelming to think, oh no, there's seven state, like things of rest that I have to. And it's like, they're not like these, like, it's not a class. It's not a syllabus. <laughs> it's like, there's quick things you can do. So anyway. Continue. I just want to say. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> and I think that's important to say because I think that's what a lot of people, they, they, <laughs> they take a look at and they're like, good Lord, I'm already exhausted. Now she's giving <laughs> me seven things I got to do. You know, the thing is you're already doing these things. You just right. kind of classified what they are and identified where there's places for improvement. So most people, it's not like you have to do anything different. You're just aware of what mm-hmm. you already do and, and the significance of it. So it almost gives you some permission, so to speak, to be able to do those things because you know that they're actually helping you. Yep. It's validating. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. After emotional, is what's next? Uh, social would probably be the next because they are closely related. They both deal with yep. dealing with people. 
Social rest is the rest we receive when we are around life-giving people. Most of our time is spent around people who are negatively pulling on our energy, um, family, kids, spouse, elderly parents, clients, coworkers, mm-hmm. bosses, yep. you know, anybody who needs something from you. And it's not that mm-hmm. they're, they're negative, you know, it's just how they're pulling yeah. on your social energy. But the thing is, most adults now, this, you know, statistics show most adults don't have a lot of adult friends. You know, our life is spent around the people who need us and with mm-hmm. less time spent with the people who pour back into us. So you have to be very intentional about being around those people and being that for somebody else as well, where you're not always asking something or they're not always asking you for something, but they're just there to pour back into you. Yeah. I had a moment. Wait, do you want to go? You can go. (laughs) I was just going to say, I had a moment like several years ago where I realized I didn't actually enjoy a lot of the time I spent with my friends. Like it wasn't, and it was, it was crazy because I loved all of them, but it just wasn't pouring into me and not, not in a selfish way, but we had just like fallen into habits. I think when you're friends with people for a long time, as we had been where it was like, we were just sort of in like a, like a hamster wheel of like, not, not always being authentic or not always doing things that were like, um, what's the word? Not doing things that filled us up. Like we just sort Mm -hmm. of were like following a path and it was like, when I kind of could re-look at those relationships and be like, how could we spend time together better? And like, what are activities we're going to do that we don't even like doing? And how can we become more of that type of people we want to be around? It changed everything. Because like, when you're around friends or like, if you've always been in your friend group, like the friend who has the band-aids in your purse because you're the mom, or like, if you're the friend who, you know, it's like, then you play these roles and you're not really connecting with your people because you're all sort of like, have your mask on. And I think that when we could all pull that down and just say like, how can we enjoy being together? Like, do we actually want to get dressed up and go to a bar or do we just want to sit around and like watch TV and like laugh? And usually it was the latter. Um, So it was just, it was also not about like making new friends, but just sort of like studying my relationships and saying like, how can we get more out of each other here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's so good. Yeah. Because I think that's where a lot of women are at. This isn't when I, Look at, I, and I try not to do this too often, but when I look at the statistics from the rest quiz, I, you know, I like to see, you know, kind of, I can only go by the names, like this is male name, this is a female name, kind of looking at how the yeah. female components use the test. That seems to be the area that women struggle with the most is the social rest part of it, mm. because they are, uh, so many of us have gotten into roles where we're the people that others come to to pour themselves out in, you know, in a negative yeah. way, you know, we're yeah. the fixer uppers, you know, we're the counselor, we're, the, you know, we're doing yeah. all the stuff to kind of fix everybody and help everybody else stay in a good spot. And so we don't really have those people in our lives that we can just have that relationship with. And when we're with yeah. other women, it becomes more of a, a, let us all pour out our mess onto each other. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of yeah. like, let's have this, you know, times when we can all be filled back up. So I think that's... Or just have fun. I think women, we just get together and it's like, okay, what's everyone's problem today? It's like, can we just go do something silly and have fun? Like, I don't want to... So, yeah. I, 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 it's interesting when I first saw social rest, um, you know, as the chapter heading, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that means solitude, which I'm an extrovert. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this, you know, because I don't want solitude. But, but then I realized social rest. I mean, sometimes, yes, we need, and some of us need to practice solitude. And that's mm-hmm. a spiritual discipline I need to practice. But like, it's not just about solitude. It's about, it's about 
you know, you, like you guys are saying, like finding what are those relationships that actually like you leave and you feel filled mm-hmm. up and restored versus, you know, drained. Um, that's social rest versus just like cutting yourself off from everybody. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, definitely. And honestly, I put solitude in the, in the bucket of more spiritual rest. Yeah. And pulling away into the quiet with yourself so yeah. that you can be in the presence of God and, and um, have a relationship with God. Because that's really, for me, that's what spiritual rest discusses. It's um, beyond religion. It's beyond Bible study. It's beyond doing a devotional and, you know, all of these different things that we do that are beneficial. It's simply building that relationship working on the intimacy part of the relationship. And that has to be done one-on-one. Intimacy is not done with five people and you in the room. (laughs) It's you and the person you're trying to be intimate with. And so that's kind of where I put the solitude part is with the spiritual. Yeah, Yeah, of all the the list of seven, for sure, I would say for me, um, the emotional um, unrest or emotional rest and then spiritual, because um, so just for you, because you don't know us personally, my background's in theology. And so I definitely approach um, spirituality, at least if I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing, I approach Mm -hmm. spirituality very academically, um, Mm -hmm. which there's a time and a place for that, obviously, right? Like, but I I tend to neglect the area of um, solitude and meditation and stuff like that because that, you know, that's just, my personality is one that I'm, that there's a lot of motion in my life and then not a lot of rest. Yeah. So spiritual rest is definitely something that is a constant battle for me. I find that to be the case for ministry leaders and pastors, which is yes. really interesting. When you think yes. about that, you know, mm-hmm. like they should be the ones who, like you guys are the ones who are supposed to be good at it. <laughs> because that is, I mean, and I don't want to say it like that's their job, you know, but it is their job. Yeah, no, it, it is. is. And our, our job is, our job is to help teach others how to do it. But if we yeah. can't do it ourselves, like this has been like one of the most convicting um, things um, in the past few years for me is, is I like to tell people how to, I like to teach people how to, you know, do all the spiritual disciplines and have a better relationship with God and be more intimate. Like intimacy with God is one of my big things. And, but I myself am terrible at it. And um, I mean, I'm getting better, but I have a lot of work to do. So it's interesting that that's something that um, ministry leaders struggle with. Yeah. And it's, sure. it's across the board. And, you know, the thing, the interesting thing is, it's not that they're bad at it. They, or you know what I mean? Because once yeah. they, what I find is once that they, um, if they're open to, to recognize that that is an area where they have unrest, because some people, sometimes they battle with that. How can I have, how can I need spiritual rest? I'm with God all the time. Yeah. But it's, it's in a position like a business partner almost. Yeah, yeah exactly. And not as a lover. Yeah. And so that's yeah. kind of the mindset that I have to kind of <laughs> help them kind of cross that bridge with. It's like, yes, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, my desire is to at some point get to that place where I see God as a business partner. You know, that's yes. what I struggle with is like the God and work part of it. Whereas yes. on the flip side, I need them to kind of see the God and lover part of it, where we just yes. kind of recline with them in solitude together and just hang out without asking him anything or without demanding anything. <laughs> Yeah, I struggle with that because de- definitely in my relationship with God, it's, it, it can lean towards the transactional, right? It's a, I do this, you do this. I do this, you do this. Instead of just um, resting in his love and just, and just being there. Um, yeah, that is, that is a lifelong struggle of mine for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, yeah. what, so we've, we've done, what have we done? We've done physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, what's left? 
Uh, sensory, sensory rest is the rest we get when we basically let our senses have some quiet, quiet time. That is mine. This is mine. Always. <laughs> this is what I'm constantly working on. This is the one that like, I, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if you're depending on what your life looks like, because, you know, sometimes it's sound that we're getting overloaded with. Sometimes it's all the gadgets and the lights and the computers and the iPhones and, you know, all of that stuff. Sometimes it's the smells, depending on kind of your work situation. So it really, you know, the sensory overload can come from so many different points. Like sometimes it's touch. I have moms who are like, you know, I hate being touched. I don't want my husband to touch me. Don't hug me. Don't kiss me. Don't touch me. But yeah. they're touched all the time. Their kids are always touching them. So they're getting yeah. overloaded and they don't really understand why they hate something. But it's because they're already getting overloaded in another area. Or we immediately think that we're like screwed up. You know, we're like, oh, what is wrong with me? And it's like, it just, yeah. I mean, literally, as you're talking about that, my kid just came up the stairs and was crying. Um, can y'all hear that? The mommy the- life. We understand. I hear <laughs> a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think the thing was that, I mean, that was like one of the biggest game changers from your book was, I think, I think it was in the book or it was in an interview I heard you do, but you said like, when you get in the car, mm-hmm. like don't turn music on, you're like, just be in the car in the quiet. And at first that was so uncomfortable for me because it was just weird. It was like, I always have sound. And I was just like, you know, this is really nice. And it was like just a small thing and it completely changed my day yeah. in a way that I was like, how can that, that, that's again, going back to that thing of like, these are small changes, but I think the sensory thing, especially like I'm such a, I'm, I guess I'm like sensitive. Like I'm very sensory and I like notice a lot of things and I take mm-hmm. in things and like things affect me a lot. And when I had, I have twins and when they were first born, it was just like, it was so hard because it went from me and my husband to like these two like super needy little kids and everything was loud and like the smells and the mm-hmm. everything. And I remember thinking like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like everybody else just adjusts to this just fine, which they don't, but I thought they did. Yeah. <laughs> and um, So it was, it was very helpful for me to be like, you know what? I just need sensory rest. I've had a lot of noise and I need to be quiet. The end. Very validating. Yeah, I I think that's the thing we um, and I love that you said these are very simple because, you know, when when someone when you feel as bad as you can feel when you get you know to a place of unrest, because you can feel I know for myself, I felt like I don't want to I don't even know if I want to live anymore. This is going to get you're so bad. Yeah, Um, to think that something as small as I'm not going to listen to praise music and you're thinking praise music is good for me, right? Not if you've been in noise all day long, right? <laughs> some silence, you know. So mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting how something so tiny can have such a huge impact. But I think most of us don't realize just kind of how how drained we are in some areas because, like I say, it's it's not something we've ever thought about. Yeah. It's been interesting. Um, I don't really um, consider myself very sensory, but. Um, I, since quarantine, um, in the life of COVID. Um, so I used to obviously my children being in school cause they're older. So they're in school all the time. And then my husband going to an office, um, and it's not necessarily them being around all the time. It's more of like, my husband works better when he has the TV on. Oh, wow. And, you know, and so he just constantly has the TV on and then the kids' voices and their things that they're doing. And so it's not really their presence so much that's keeping me from um, being able to have to work and feel rest throughout the day. It's more of all the sounds. And I never even I, if you would have asked me, you know, three months ago, I wouldn't have said that sound was an issue for me. And I'm like, 
if we could just turn the TV off. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I, can't, I can't make the kids be silent, but we can turn the TV off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that I was so used to being in the house by myself because I work from home. I, I didn't realize that it, working from home in silence was so huge for me. Um, yeah, I would have never guessed that. Well, and then do you do the thing where like everyone's being loud, so you turn your own music on and you're just making it worse? And you're like, I'm just going to turn it up really high and then I can't hear you people. And it's like, <laughs> it makes it worse. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, what are the other kinds of... Hold on. So we talked about touch. We talked about sound. Do we talk about smell? Because that's a thing. I know. They, yeah, it's all the senses. So smell can be an issue. Um, I have a lot of people who you know work in situations where there's lots of people around. So you get everybody's, you know, colognes and perfumes and hairspray and, you know, all yeah. the things that people have on that are smelled. Um, I have some uh, clients that work within bakeries, you know, different places where there's like nonstop smell. And in most of those places to, you know, to break it, you almost have to change the smell. So for mm-hmm. example, um, like going outside in fresh air, there's still smells out there. But because it's, it's diluted, because you're in an open air space, it tends to feel less toxic on the, the senses. You feel like you kind yeah. of cleared your senses in some way because yeah. you're able to break away. You know, if you, ever, if you think about it, if you go to like a, um, somewhere to buy perfume, they'll have like those coffee beans. Yeah. Sometimes where you yeah. to break the perfume. Smell. Yeah. And it's, it's the same type thing. You, you sometimes, particularly with smell, just have to break it with a smell that's not the one that's irritating you. Yeah. When I, um, I have a restaurant background and when I was working in restaurants, I would like sometimes take like a peppermint essential oil and just put it mm-hmm. right there just to not have to smell. If I was like, you know, like debating shrimp for an hour, it's like, no mm-hmm. one wants to, smell. I would just kind of like do that. And it would really help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was about to ask you, I was about to ask you, Rebecca, but since I knew your background as a chef, I was wondering, cause I've never really thought about smells as over overload, but I would assume yeah. the restaurant industry. Well, especially like in a small kitchen, I mean, it's like, it's just, it doesn't go anywhere. Like you can't open a window. It's just sort of like there. So, and most of the time it smells good, but there can be too much of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I smell like a Mexican restaurant. People who work yeah. in restaurants, hospitals. And yeah. um, the third one is usually people who are working in situations where it's like toxic kind of smells, like yeah. people around gases and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different, you just have to get into open air. <laughs> that yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. And then there's light. Um, I, I was, yes. I, oh my gosh. One of the, the biggest changes I've made in probably the past year or two is trying to turn off devices before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So before, and, and it was, and it was, it wasn't that I was like watching TV for 20 minutes before I went to bed. I mean, sometimes it was, but I don't usually turn on the TV in my bedroom. It was more, it was even my Kindle or something, you know, or my iPad and I may have been reading. I'm, and sometimes I'm scrolling social media, but sometimes I'm reading, but like, I have noticed a huge change if I put that stuff down and just pick up a regular book mm-hmm. uh, before I go to sleep. Um, I never really realized how much that affected the start of my sleep to get rid of that, yeah. that, that sense. Yep. Yeah. The, um, the, that's the thing with the gadgets. You know, the gadgets are really hitting us sensory wise in a lot of different ways. The lights and another thing that I find a lot of people are, are, are struggling with that they don't know they're struggling with is the notifications on their stuff. So, yeah. you know, the, there's a study that was looking at kind of how people responded to their notifications. And, you know, as a physician, I, for 20 years, wore a pager every day, all day, because yeah. 
and you know if something happened, if the pager would go off and I would jump and my heart rate would go up, my brain, you know, I go yeah. into flight mode because I know yeah. something was wrong. Well, you know, the studies are showing people are responding the same way when their notifications are going off. So yeah. can you imagine having that fight or flight response jumping on every time somebody dings you on Instagram? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's keeping us in this level of kind of, uh, of kind of sensory toxicity unnecessarily. I mean, because really mm-hmm. half the notifications, we don't really need to know. I really need to know if my Aunt Carol liked my vacation picture. I really need to know that right now. I mean, obviously, obviously we need to, I mean, most of us need to have our text notifications on or like phone calls, even though I keep mine on silence, but it just vibrates because it just makes me feel Mm -hmm. better. But like I, yeah, once I turned off the notifications off and even my email, like I, I, yeah. I mean, like a, the the red one, two, three, four, five thousand shows <laughs> shows up, but it, I I stopped the dinging, like you know, yeah. and I yeah. definitely turned off notifications off all social media, um, because you're right, we just, I mean, it's I'm it's not an emergency, like yeah, it does, it's it causes you, it, it, it's this, it, it's like Pavlov's dog, like oh, you're like oh, you got to reach for your phone every time it dings for sure. Or news notifications. Like I have a friend that like constantly gets news no- notifications on her phone, and it stresses me out when I'm with her. <laughs> I'm like, can you please turn the news notifications off? <laughs> I know. I miss when it was like we watched the news at six o'clock for half an hour, and then we moved on with our day. I miss that so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're missing one. What are we missing? Creative rest. That's the creative last one. And yeah. creative rest is the rest that we receive when we allow ourselves to um, just appreciate beauty and to let beauty awaken and to pour something back into us. So always make sure people realize it's different than I'm going to do a coloring book or I'm going to a painting class or a pottery class. That's actually creative work because you're putting a demand mm. on your creativity. It's fun, mm-hmm. you know, but it's creative work. Creative rest is something like like going to the, for many people, it's like going to the beach or being around bodies of water or stepping outside into nature or doing a hike on a trail, going to an art museum even, or listening to music at a symphony or a concert. It's when you're letting the the beauty that's around you, whether it's creative or man-made, that you let it birth something inside of you, awaken something inside of you. It's where it's experiencing awe, right? Yeah, yeah, awe and wonder around around. Yeah. A lot of people um, experience this when they're around bodies of water. So, yeah. so if you're someone who who is moved or inspired by bodies of water, you may have noticed long before ever hearing the term creative rest that whenever you see a body of water, you feel different. Something yeah. inside of you feels different, and mm-hmm. that is that kind of that awe and wonder, that awakening that happens, and that's what creative rest looks like. I yeah. definitely feel it at the beach, um, maybe less so now that I have children at the beach with me, but I definitely feel it at the beach or at the lake, but uh, even more so at a river. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the movement mm-hmm. of the water or the sound of it, but whenever I'm around, um, like I did a, a retreat not too long ago where, uh, well, it was before COVID, so it was a while ago, um, but I did a retreat where we happened to be on a river and mm-hmm. I went into the middle of the river because it was like shallow enough and like just sitting there and I had no devices. I had no book because I was scared I was going to you know, drop it in the river and but just that the the feeling of the water around you you're right they're, they're, I don't know how to explain it but I definitely mm-hmm. left re- feeling more rested for sure yeah That's the thing with creative rest it is not it is not logical it, yeah. You know, yeah one of those things where and, and that and you have to own it for yourself because it's so individualized yeah I have yeah. one friend who who she gets it when she looks at works of art I don't yeah. get that 
you know, <laughs> I look at a work of art and I'm like, okay, that's a cute picture or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, something, something happens in her. I mean, you can see it in her face and her expression. It yep. does something to her. Um, you know, it's really interesting with the bodies of water. There's actually some science. I'm a geek, so I'm always talking about science and research. But there's <laughs> some science and research that shows that people who have that response with the water um, and bo- bodies of water, big or small, that when they did MRIs of their brain, there was actually changes in the brain um, that showed up on the MRI when they looked at those bodies of water images versus when they looked at like, let's say grass or, you know, mm-hmm. a picture of something else. And so it's interesting because it's not just physically being at the body of water. It includes like seeing it on your lock screen or having mm-hmm. awkward colored um, walls in your home or yeah. images on your walls. That's why my bedroom response. is like a blue gray. <laughs> it's very common. Yeah. So being aware yeah. of that, you can actually create your own kind of sanctuary area within your own house that's, that really awakens you in a way that no one else may even get, you know, mm-hmm. but it keeps yeah. you in that good space. Yeah. That's so that's good. Mine is more like greenery like lush tree, like um, established trees, like a canopy of trees. I notice whenever I'm somewhere, because we live in, we're in Atlanta. So we're well outside of Atlanta. But um, so the neighborhood I live in, it's established. There's lots of old like oak trees and poplars and stuff. And it's beautiful. And that was a big selling point of our house is we had a backyard with trees. And it was funny, we were always talking about how, like we have friends who live in a newer neighborhood where they don't have, you know, the trees are so small and growing. And I was like, I just, for the longest time, I was like, I can't figure out why I can't live in a neighborhood like that. And I realized it was the trees. And it seems like such a weird thing. Like, oh, I have to have trees. Like who thinks of that with a house? But it just gives me so much peace to look out and watch them like gently swaying and like watch the birds. And just when I'm sitting out there and I'm getting real four right now, but when I'm sitting out there in my (laughs) hammock and like, I'm quiet enough where like the birds don't notice me anymore. And they're Mm -hmm. all just kind of going about their lives and I'm sort of in it. That to me is like the creative rest where I'm just like, I feel like I'm kind of at one with nature and I'm just in it. And it's, I'm no longer like self-centered. I'm remembering this world around me. Um, I mean, I love water too, but for me, it's always been like greenery. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Love and that. I painted my bedroom green. See? Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, I know people who love to bird watch. Um, and I've yeah. never really like grasped on why people like to do that. But there are a lot of people who like to do it. And it's for a reason, you know. To, Rebecca laughs at me. <laughs> Like, I do. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I'll just like turn. Never... <laughs> Some people love that. I mean, like people like it's true hobbies. Like I have yeah. some friends that like are obsessed with bird watching, which is amazing because that's uh, they obviously receive yeah. the rest from doing that. So, yeah. yep, that's awesome. And you know, another thing too, like I just want to reiterate, like you could even if you're a water person, you could take a bath. Like there's small, small ways you can get immersed in these things without having to like plan a trip to the beach or, you know what I'm saying? Like, or even mm-hmm. just paying attention to like, if you like greenery, like I do, maybe just even like going to a park and sitting there for 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be like a big thing. So I think sometimes we hear like, in. yeah, like, oh, uh, I'm not, I'm not near a lake. What am I going to do? I guess I don't get to have creative rest. It's like, no, like if it's sitting in the water that helps you like go sit in your bathtub and like have a bath or whatever. Yeah. There's always ways to do it. Create a medical theme in the bathroom or yeah. I actually have a yeah. virtual background. You know, we do so many Zooms now. I have a virtual background that I use during some of my calls uh, uh-huh. that has the water moving in the background and the sounds That's of the waves. Nice. 
because yeah. I mean, people get so stressed on some of these things <laughs> Yeah, for them to have some visual of, of the creative rest they need. My yes. kids both, my kids both like to sleep with the white noise. That's the ocean. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Well, actually oh, yeah. one of them, one of them's ocean and one, the other one's rain. Both of them like to sleep where they, they hear constant yeah. ocean and constant rain. So oh, it is, awesome. it is interesting. Yep. That's cute. Um, Okay, so why do we avoid rest? What are some of the common reasons as we're wrapping up why why people resist? Um, and rest? like the excuses we make. Yeah. yeah. I well, have the, a theory and I want to hear what you have to say. This <laughs> oftentimes has to do with, I think we are afraid of what other people will think of our, our rest because they're not doing it. And so we don't want to have to explain. We have our personal boundaries aren't as strong as they probably need to be. So mm. rather than having to to keep them erected, we just let them fall down those boundaries and just, you know, give up our rest to do whatever people are requesting of us. I think for for most of us, the the biggest excuse is that we've tried it and it didn't work. Mm. So Mm -hmm. why why try, you know, I tried, you know, sitting on the sofa for five hours on Saturday and I'm still tired. So we (laughs) just think it didn't work. So we don't try to do it. Yeah. I think, Um, um, go ahead, Rebecca. I was just going to, Rebecca knows about this. But my husband and I do this thing called the Olympics of suffering where, you know, whoever had the harder day, I'm like, well, I had to like, you know, do laundry. And he's like, well, I had to do this. And we like kind of compete with our negativity. And I think a lot of people do this with rest. It's like busyness is a badge of honor. But I also mm-hmm. think that sometimes how tired you are is a badge of honor. It's like, oh, oh well, yeah. you know, I mean, me and my my friends who have kids will do this. Like, oh, well, I was up from two to five. Well, I did that. It's like, it's just so silly. And it's like, we're all trying to like be validated. I think that in the process, we're all just like competing to be the most tired. Like, do you see this? It's weird. And so then it's like, we don't want the the street cred or whatever you'd call it. It's like, you know, we don't want to be the rested mom because everyone else is like, well, I'm just like, and you're like, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm really miserable, but you're not, but it's like, you, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, one of my biggest excuses is I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be lazy. So, uh, so uh-huh. like some of the, some of the ways that I find the most rest is I do find rest by going and sitting in art museums. I do find rest by browsing bookstores. I do like, there's these things that I, I could list off things that cause me rest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ju- you know, going for a walk and listening to classical music. Like I have a list, but every time I do those things, there's almost this sense of guilt that I didn't do anything productive. Like I put that in like the lazy bucket and I struggle with like seeing thing, seeing rest as laziness. Um, even though I know mentally that's not true, but right. there's a sense of guilt that sometimes rises that I'm not doing anything productive. And I think that's why it's helpful to think of rest as restorative activities. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes rest isn't sitting. It isn't cessation of activity. It's doing mm-hmm. something, but it's doing something that's pouring back in rather than you know, pulling away from your energy. So um, I think for a lot of the workaholic type people, it's helpful yeah. to look at it as an activity, um, yeah. but, but just a specific type of activity that's restoring them, that's helping them. Um, you know, one of those things I think that for most of us, we have to kind of get to some level of understanding of is that we deserve to be happy. We deserve to be well-rested. We don't, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not God's plan and it's not, it's not scriptural to be drained. You know, um, how well can you pour into the lives of others if you're pouring from your emptiness? You know, if yeah. you're going to be pouring into the lives of other people, you want to be pouring from a full cup. 
So I, I think it's very helpful for a lot of people to start thinking about how do I give of my best self? You know, we want to do that with our families. Um, we want to do that within our uh, any ministry work that we do. And that's impossible if you're pouring from your empty. Yep. That yeah, that's good. Absolutely. So and, coming from that, it, what would you say if somebody's still like, yeah, it's a luxury? Mm-hmm. You would say it is a, rest is essential. It's, yeah, right? it's a necessity for anybody who wants to live their best life. Yeah. It's a luxury if you want to keep suffering. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, if you want to stay in a place of, you know, this is so hard and, you know, life is so, so down and, you know, tired is just what we do here, you know, it's, mm-hmm. then, then, yeah, you'll always look at it as a luxury. If you're wanting to get to a place where you feel like you have some margin in your life, where you have some freedom, where you have some, the energy to do the things that you, not just have to do, but things, some things that you enjoy doing and want to yeah. do, then rest has to become a part of your life. I always say it's, if we're just looking at rest as like a vacation, then, you know, we only go on vacation quite a couple of times a year. If that's the only time you want to enjoy your life, that's not going to be a life you're going to want to stay in for very long. Yeah. So you want and a I life think, that's sustainable. And we have to be honest about how we're really feeling too. Because if we don't admit, like you were saying, like if, we, if we're hitting rock bottom and we don't admit how miserable we are, mm-hmm. then we can't change it. And a lot of us don't want to say that because it sounds bad or it sounds like we're not grateful or whatever. But it's like, no, we have to say where we're at or we're never going to get past it. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. Yeah. So if there's, um, most of our listeners are moms, many to young children. Um, we're in a pandemic still. <laughs> we don't even know if our kids are going back to school. I mean, this is mm. craziness. How can we get creative? We've already talked about how it's small, you know, small steps, but do you have any like creative ideas for summertime kids being home, all of that stuff? Little yeah, things we so, can do. So is this rest for the moms or rest for the kids or the family? Oh, or- <laughs> maybe, maybe you should do all of this. I love that because I think, I think honestly, I, my kids are teens. And so I work a lot with, you know, youth groups when I, when I'm doing this talk, mm-hmm. because honestly, teens are some of the most tired, exhausted people you will ever meet. Um, yeah. And not just teens. I mean, small kids as well are getting sensory overloaded from too many video yes. games. And, you know, there's so many ways this can manifest from every age. So just to, to start off with kind of something that we can do with the kids is just to start modeling what rest looks like so we don't have another generation of burned out, tired people <laughs> coming up yeah. right behind us. And that includes things like having some limits on how long they can stay on the gadget. Start mm-hmm. reinforcing the need to have some sensory downtime. Um, that could be yeah. reading a book, which, you know, honestly is not complete sensory rest, but it's a whole lot less a sensory overload than the video game they were playing right. or the YouTube yep. video they were watching, you know, all the different things that they're doing now, trying to make sure that you incorporate some time outside. Yes, I know we're in a pandemic and this is a kind of weird season, but I mean, even if it's just for small breaks outside of your own yard in your own, you know, in your yep. own patio or whatever, just to have a moment for them to understand that you, you can't stay on the electronics 24-7. And then for the parents, um, for couples, one of the things that has been huge has been the social rest with marriages that is needed. You know, most of us, we fall in love with our spouses. You know, we're face to face. We're talking all the time. We're connecting. 
And then you get married and the only time you're face-to-face is when you're arguing or discussing something deep and serious or, or making love. So, you know, you have this very limited time that you're actually face-to-face. Whereas most couples, to keep that level of connection that's needed so that they can communicate well, need to get back into the habit of spending time eye-to-eye. Not looking mm, at the computer, mm-hmm. not looking at the phone, not looking at the TV, but just eye-to-eye for small periods of the day. So I, I love for couples to do the social rest of, at the end of the day, let's just sit down together on what sofa, table, wherever, and just spend five minutes face-to-face just talking with each other, yeah. sharing about our day, not having it be this weird thing, but, you know, what, what's going on with you? How are you feeling today? How, you know, is there anything I can do or where are you at? Just being very real and open because mm-hmm. couples don't do that anymore. Yeah, and it yeah. this level of distance. And we then call it couch. Mom herself, I'm sorry. We call it couch. We call it couch time in my family. And so the kids yes. know that when mommy and daddy are having couch time and that's couch time. And it just means that we like sit for five or 10 minutes and like just talk about our day and not in a, I've got these things to talk to you about, but just like kind of verbal processing kind of stuff. And the kids know when it's couch time. So no, that's good. I yeah. love that idea because that's what keeps the marriage healthy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Marriages are not healthy because they don't, they haven't been, they're only eye to eye when they are fighting or physical. And that's, that's not a healthy situation to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, for moms is just to, if you're, if you're, especially if you still have all the littles at home, you know, the tiny ones that are running around and you're trying to find some time for yourself, is to, to try to see if you can inject your rest when they are doing something that is productive. So if you're homeschooling or if they're playing a game or doing a puzzle or whatever it is that they're doing, if they have 10 minutes of being occupied where you know that they're safe and they're okay and you can kind of break away for a moment, not leave them where they're unattended, or you can break away for a moment. What I always recommend is don't use that time to go do more dishes, to go check off the checkbook or, you know, 101 things that are on your to-do list necessarily. Pencil in some time for something that is specifically restorative to you, whatever that may look like. That could Mm -hmm. be just going to lay on your bed and, and look at the sky and just, you know, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> that could be praying. That could be just sitting peacefully with God. That could be having a cup of coffee and doing a five-minute Zoom with your girlfriend to get that emotional rest that you need or that social rest that you need. Um, yeah. But we have to kind of, we have to make it intentional because if you don't make it intentional, then that five or 10 minutes that could be very beneficial will just get clocked off to something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of times when we have that little pocket, we end up getting on our phone which mm-hmm. for me is literally never restful ever, but it's kind of that, it's that weird, like divided. It's like, we don't have the full, like you were talking about like the stage one of sleeping. I feel like that's how it can be during the day. It's like, we kind of have like a little bit of occupation, but not like, it's weird. It's like, we're kind of in a, we can't like fully immerse ourselves in an activity. So something I've been doing is like sketching. Like I like to draw and paint and stuff. I'll just kind of like sketch something. And it's, it's mm-hmm. something I'm doing with my, hands and I'm not on a screen and I can pick it up and leave it. So I, I would just encourage anyone if it's like Sudoku or like just little things like that you can do that don't require full mm-hmm. attention, I think are helpful too. Yep. That's good. good stuff. So Sandra, how can outside of buying sacred rest <laughs> and or downloading it or whatever and reading it, how can people um, learn more about um, your teachings on rest? How can they find you all those things? Yeah, well, I definitely recommend everybody visit restquiz.com. That's where the rest assessment's at. It's a free assessment to let you quickly determine which of the seven types of rest you're most in need of. 
That way you're not just kind of guessing, oh, I think I need this or I think I need that. You can really get a quick understanding of this is the rest that might be affecting me the most and be very specific about getting more of that type of rest. And then my main website is ichoosemybestlife.com. And that's where they can get more information about the book Sacred Rest and some of the different resources we have available. That's so good. I think what I love most about you and this work you're doing is that it's so empowering. Because I think a lot of us can feel like, oh, I'm anxious or, oh, I'm depressed. And we don't link it to something we can help. But a lot of times it's something as simple as these things that we can just get more rest and suddenly everything is better. So I love that you're giving us these tools and these suggestions and these quizzes and all these things we can do to to really take control of our lives and make them better. It's so good. And it all starts with, you know, God rested. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> Give and us I a like example to follow. Yeah, yep. and I like all the stories because you being in the medical field and and seeing patients and starting to like your process through the book of starting to see that these patients' medical ailments were actually a lot of times, I mean, obviously there's medicine that needs to be taken for certain things. We all know that. But like a lot of times, a lot of the fatigue and the headaches and the migraines and um, pains that we feel like a lot of us just attribute to getting old or whatever. Um, actually, a lot of it can be attributed to um, lack of rest in areas. So I, I, it was really interesting. I also, I have a theological background, but also a medical background. My brain's divided. So, uh, <laughs> so I loved hearing the stories of the patients that came, yeah. came out your process of starting to realize um, where unrest was affecting people medically. I think that's great. So, Sandra, thank yeah. you so much for being on. Um, yes. I wish our doctors thought like you. And I wish I lived <laughs> in Birmingham so you could be my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. It's been a pleasure chatting with you both. Thank okay. you, Sandra. We thank will have you, everything Sandra. linked in the show notes. For sure. All right. Bye, guys. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 